Good day and welcome to Cracking the Code. Again, I'm Brian Skinner and today a good friend and a guest, Matt Marbino. Matt, thanks for being here. Dude. I, I feel like I always butcher your last name. Did I get it right today? You got it right. Yeah, All right, yeah, yeah. one for ten. You're bound to get it. You're, you know. Don't worry, you're... Um most people butcher it. Yeah, I, I butcher everyone's. I, I'm horrible. Thank God I'm better with numbers than I have words and reading and all that good stuff. So um, the reason I asked you beyond that, obviously, you have a great story. This whole podcast about people who had a life, fell on their face, and came back strong. Because I think there's a unique quality or a trait. You know, when I, I need to crack in the code because most guys that come to see me and I coach they can get, you know, I look at that that little lock, and there's four numbers. Most guys can get two every day, you know, two things right. If you're really on point, you get that third thing right. You know, you're clicking almost on all, this, all cylinders, but very few people can get that fourth thing right. If they can, it's just a glimpse. It's that flow state they're in for a short time that they fall out of. But there's something that certain people can get more often than others. And there's a unique quality of trait. Call it grit, call it tenacity, call it, I, sometimes I'll say it's the spirit of the sunlight or a snapshot of God. But there's something that's in us at times and there's something you can cultivate to have more of that. And what makes you a perfect guest is simple. You know, we're gonna talk about your story a little bit, but you had you had a somewhat normal life, you, you fell. And I mean, you have a freak life now. You know, I think something really important to announce is, um, you know, you got your pro card. Yeah. You're a pro triathlete. Yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's definitely like, especially how you broke that down, like had a normal, uh, I had a normal life and I'm sure we'll get into that. I, I would say it was more like I had a lot of chances, right? Like I, I uh, you know, um, got sober young and I got sober young. How then, old were you when you get sober? Uh, 24. Like, so give well, a, I, give, like when I've been sober since 24, like being 24, I'm wow. 32 now. Wow. So let's give a little backstory. Yeah, yeah. Um, growing up, I mean, were you a fairly normal kid? Uh, no, definitely not. You know, I was uh, one of those kids that was like medicated at a very early age for ADHD. Um, I were actually, it's crazy, like the building we're at now, I feel like I saw a psychiatrist and like, you know, it was uh, like when your mom or your parent, like I was so young, your parent had to come with you or maybe, I don't even know how that all works, but um like, I remember, like, being in sessions, like, in one of these buildings. I think like, it's probably the building across the street. Yeah, I yeah. Went there as a kid it is, too. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, and I remember there was, like, a little sandbox and, like, dinosaurs and stuff like that. And, and uh, yeah, so, I mean, I um, my biological father was a heroin addict. Um, he was... Oh, I never knew that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, he was out of the picture. Um, like, I, I... Other... He was out of the picture that I only know him from pictures. Yeah, right? I guess Like, it was that early. Um and uh my mom was in early recovery uh i could be well i don't think she might not care but i also want to be careful about anonymity right um and the traditions around uh the program and, and stuff like that um but uh yeah so she was she was you know trying to build a life in for me and like her and my grandmother were basically raising me and my grandmother had just lost her husband. Like he died six months before I was born. So it was really, really almost like meant to be. We were kind of there for each other. Like she, my mom would drop me off with my grandmother and my grandmother would, we were kind of like lean on each other. Right. And, um, and, 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 and so for like that, um, and, and many, 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 many parts of my childhood, like there's like, I'm so grateful for having what I had and, 
Um, but either way, yeah. So my mom was was trying to do. Um, a, I can't remember what it was before, but she was in nursing school. She was doing nursing school full time, working, um, and and trying to raise me. And uh, and my grandmother was you know kind of filling in there. And my uncles were were both great when they could. One of them was on SEAL Team Six for twenty. Holy crap. years. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, super intense. Like, not so, I shouldn't say, he's did a lot of super intense stuff. If you're a um, Navy SEAL, you're a badass. Yeah, he, yeah. He's, uh, and he he definitely saw a lot of stuff. Like, he was involved, I think, in everything from, uh, like, 83 to 2000. Wow. So, when he retired, like, he was in every, like, conflict that pretty much the SEALs That's were scary. At. Yeah, so... Either way, I had a lot of uh, I, had, I had a lot of like really good fill-ins for for uh, an absent father, um, but regardless, like there you know there's the chaos of that. Like my um, my mother would not like stay like she was in and out, yeah. you know. So that 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 causes you know a lot of confusion for a young kid, and um, and so yeah, like I was always like you know seeing therapists and and and. Uh, and then, you know, being medicated mostly for ADHD. Um, and, uh, and and I had that, you know, kind of that feeling. And I think a lot of it came from my father leaving, um, like feeling like different, right? I would imagine. I mean, that's a, that's not an easy, you know, hit of cards to be dealt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's... Um, you know, it, it, it's the cards that I was dealt. And, uh, and, and, you know, if you ask me, like, uh, well, actually, I don't know, it's so long ago, but like, if you, like, if you ask me now, like, like, I needed that, like, right? Like, I, I it's need, funny I how you look that. back and you look at all the tough times. I look at the jail cells, I look at the handcuffs that were too tight. I look at being scared to death in certain places. I needed, it. you know, there are some people that learn from pain. There's some of us that need real serious, serious pain. Yeah. And, and, you know, for whatever reason, and if you didn't have that, I mean, you help a lot of guys. You have a pretty inspirational story. If you didn't have that, that takes one thing out of, you know, one magic trick out of your box you can't help somebody with. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. The pain is, I know it sounds awful, but it's the pain helps you gain. It's a blessing sometimes. Totally. But that's a hard one. When you're young and you look back, you think, you know, when you go through the tough times, I'm sure when you were struggling with addiction, you're probably like, geez, you know, maybe if I'd had an easier time as a kid, this would have been, you know. Yeah, definitely. Like, I mean, that that was my story from like 16 to 24. And it was either my story, like I would tell, like I would tell you, like if if you only had uh, this upbringing that I did, then you would use too, or like it would be subconscious. Like I wouldn't even be, you know, thinking about it. But what I would find out through doing like, you know, intensive work and recovery is that it like it fueled this victim. Yeah, you know, I, I do know I've, I've lived a lot of that. Yeah. So um, and, and like looking back, like I was just this victim all the time, you know, and in uh, breaking that was um, really the I could still be the victim. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. human nature. There's always times. Yeah. I'm in the middle of something I'm going through my life and every so often I'll find myself treating myself like a victim. And, oh, geez. You know, this isn't fair. And I'm thinking to myself like, what is it fair? Most of your situations, right? You've as an adult, you've created most of these. Yeah. You, you know, you're not a victim. You're a volunteer. Now, as a kid, it is kind of a victim in all honesty. But what did you do? You know, well, in the end, what, do you mind me asking? What were you doing for drugs at the end, at the bottom? At the, like at the bottom? So the bottom, I was just drinking uh like this last time it was just booze but it was like real real 
bad alcoholic booze. All like day, I was day. like, yeah, pretty much all day, every day in the middle of the night, I would wake up. I couldn't stay as soon as like whatever. I don't know how like the chemical breakdown works, but as soon as like the alcohol had broken down probably enough in the middle of my sleep, um, I would wake up in the middle of the night and the only way I could go back to sleep was, uh, if I had drank. And at this time I was on my grandmother's couch. So fast forward, like this, is the woman that like, you know, really, really, uh, helped raise me along with my mother. Um, she was the last person to like, kind of give me a place to stay. Yeah. And like, like, thank God that like, she finally said no more. Right. Like that's yeah. what it took. Yeah. That's what, what it that, for that, most of us. That's what it took. And it was really hard for her. So, um, but no, I mean, opiates, like, so I'll tell you, like, I, I think this is a more interesting bit and like, I, cause my story's not like with drugs and alcohol. I mean, it's, yeah, I started using really young, um, but it's not like off the walls. Like if we're, you know, if I'm sharing at a, a treatment center or whatever, like, I'm not like the, the real, like you're not gonna, the movie that you're seeing is not that yeah, interesting. Yeah, but you and I both know it's, um. It's the same. I mean, I, can use, I was a heroin addict. I ended up in prison on the streets. And you know what the truth is? It's the same. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's about that inside. inside failure. Yeah. It hurts. And that pain, I don't care where you put me. Yeah. You got to be dread. You know, one time when I had relapsed, I was sitting there driving a nice car. All the outside looked good. And I was excruciating pain. Yeah. So basically, like, we're really, like, kicked off. Of me. So I went to my first treatment center when I was 16 years old. Against my own will, of course. Yeah. My mother is like, I, she had been sober a little bit and she was just like, she knew the game. She was like, you're like, you're either going there or you're going to live with your uncle, the Navy SEAL uncle. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I, I tried treatment first and, uh, I can't even remember. I feel like it was in, it could have been McLean. Okay. I don't know uh, if it was, it was McLean, but, um, but so what was going on there was like, so I was medicated, right. For ADHD, this like my whole life. And like, Meanwhile, there's this this being that feels so like different and, and something's just off with me all the time. And then, like if you want to say sober, I mean, I was properly medicated, like not abusing any of my medication yeah. until like 16 or so. And then uh, one of like the upperclassmen that I was friends with in high school, like, you know, he, he found out I was on Adderall through some type of uh you know conversation about it and and i i was already kind of like in with that crowd anyway yeah and i was just like kind of abstaining from trying you know uh drugs actually well god no because i started i had my first drink at 13. so either way 16 years old uh i remember uh he was like you know if you open those pills up and crush them and snort them like it's way better and i did that i was off and i was like you know, maybe I was, maybe I was 15, but wow. by 16, I was in rehab and I was like 105 pounds. Wow. And, uh, it's such a gross feeling. Like, I don't know if you like ever taken speed or Adderall. Well, or I took Adderall a couple of years ago. I had to take an exam for work yeah. and I failed it the first time because I was like 35. Yeah. So it was not a couple of years ago, 70 years ago, nine years ago. And, um, when I took it after that, I couldn't study for anything. So my doctor, and I have ADHD, so the doctor said, I'll put you on. How do you feel about Adderall? I said, well, you know, I've got an addiction issue, so, but I'll do it. I did it for 26 days. I passed the exam and I never looked back. So for me, um, and I'm sure I wouldn't go hooked on it because I can get hooked on popcorn, but I, God, that was hell. 
It was yeah. hell. You couldn't talk to anybody. It was all clammed up. It was um, to me. It was like coke. Yeah. I never liked coke. I liked oh, the opioids. I, I liked the doctor. Did you really? I mean, yeah. I did a lot of it at one point in my mid twenties. Not a lot, but there was a time where I'd be going out, and because I was on everything else, I'd be open to doing it. But man, like I never liked it. I mean, God, I just didn't like it. Yeah, yeah. It's weird how, um, like, I didn't like the dopey stuff. Really? I mean, oh, I, I loved it. Yeah. So I, I mean, I, if that's what I had. That's what I had. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I didn't like, I liked it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but, like, I much more, I was definitely more introverted, um, like, like down, like, bare bones, um, introverted. Um, I'm awkward. And um, and so for me, uh, like, that, that those uppers, like, are able to, like, re- like that's where I can, like, kind of get out of myself. That's what the opioids are for me. Yeah. Yeah. Uppers would be like this. Opioids maybe like the life of the party, or so yeah. I thought. I mean, yeah. I was just I was just a big pain. Uh, yes. Yeah. So I'm on the couch on opiates, man, and like just like wall, 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 wall. And and I don't get me wrong, it's a great feeling. Um, and I don't know if that's something. I don't know if yeah. I like promoting the great. No, yeah, it was. I'd say right now, I used to say to people, when you shoot heroin, it's a great, it goes right up your arm. You can feel it. Your head. It's the greatest feeling, better than any rush, better than any sex, better than anything. Yeah. Best feeling in the world. All your problems melt away. And I always tell people that your problems melt away because everything in your life melts away. It's very easy. <laughs> when you lose your job, your house, you have no yeah. responsibilities. You have no problems. You're just you know, a big bum. But, man, yeah, I used to love it. Even thinking of it, I think how much I loved it. The thing I think of now is, um, and I think you probably do, and we'll talk about this more later, but is what do I love more? Yeah. Like, what's more important to me? It's a cost. You know, I, I can go get high tomorrow, but it's good cost. it's a heavy price. Yeah, dude. I mean, look at looking around. Look at how, like, amazing. Like, I walked into your office and I was like, <laughs> holy shit. Like, it's pretty is, cool. I won't awesome. lie. I love I love what I do for work. Yeah. I love this. I, I'm blessed. The price of an opioid today, first thing, you know, I'd be loaded that needle into that straw. If I stole it, it would be my daughter. Yeah. That goes first. You know, my relationship with my wife or wherever it's going, you know, we have to co-parent and that would be toxic if I was on stuff. You yeah. know, my stepdaughter, my parents, my business, my employees, my clients, like my, my friends from like the 12 step program were in, like all that stuff for what? So I can, you know, have my head down, you know, <laughs> kissing myself. Yeah. Like, hey, you know, it's not, it's, it's just not worth it anymore. Yeah. The hard part is when you're in that and you have nothing going, Where's your incentive to stop? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's what kills us, right? That's why it's an epidemic. And it's, yeah. it's uh, horrible. But, yeah, back, like, like the reason why I mentioned the, the Adderalls, because, like, I can't even tell you, like, what I actually enjoy about it. It's, like, I, I don't know if it's, like, considered if you're if it's being abused. Like, I, I think I've heard it considered, like, a designer drug. Like, it's just... It's I don't know really about it, really. Just I, mean, gross. I, I didn't like it. Yeah, it's gross. It's not like it's certainly not like like euphoric, euphoric like cocaine. Yeah. And, um and and certainly not euphoric like like opiates and um but I'll tell you what it did for me at sixteen years old was it made me feel not normal. It made me like like normalcy and like sober was not cutting it for me. I always say anything anything but Ryan. When yeah. I'm in that zone in that place in my life, I don't care what I feel. I just don't want to feel right. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was it. Like, it was Matt. Like, like anything but Matt, um, you know, like, I didn't have to think about, you know, where I lived or, like, you know, like, it talked about, like, whatever subconscious or conscious feelings I had about, a, like, an absentee father. Um, you know, I didn't need to have, 
friends. Do I you grew up in Arizona? You grew up out here. I grew up out here. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I, I mean, I had the whole like you know, with the family comes the, uh, like I bounced around towns and schools, uh, and then I and then I stayed settled where I was <laughs> settled. Which way it was where? Uh, so Reading. Reading. Oh, because you're a local yeah. kid. Yeah, yeah, local kid. Um, from like. 13 till I graduated high school. And then I was all over with like, cause yeah, like high school, uh, after high school things really started to. So how'd you end up in Arizona? Uh, so I ended up in Arizona in 2017, 2018 or 2018. Um, I had been sober for about two years and uh, I was, um, I had walked on uh, to the college that I went back to, this track and cross country team. I had a running background before, you know, all this. And, um, uh, and I, it's actually really kind of a wild story. So um, my landlord, who was one of us, um, super nice guy, uh, awesome guy, he, struggled and he um he pursued this thing to the gates of death and he ended up killing himself um yeah like i remember um so i was living in portland maine i i and this is my adhd <laughs> for you right here it's um, okay i haven't done bounce around no problem yeah, yeah. <laughs> so after i went to at, at 24 i went to detox i went to rehab in new hampshire and then i went to uh portland maine for to go, you go to the house I didn't go to the Plymouth House. It was uh, like a very similar place to the Plymouth House, though. Um, like just you know, twelve uh, step. Yeah, well, I would have guessed that because you had that kind of recovery. That's um, why that's a compliment. The Plymouth House, everyone goes through that. You can see a difference. Though. That's why. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just all about like like doing it after, right? Yeah. And like continuing to do it, and like. Um, so you went up to Portland. How long were you in Portland? For? I was in Portland for two years, and like that's. I mean, that's really where my recovery kicked off. Like I realized that like you know, this, uh, like, uh, step one, like I'm powerless over drugs and alcohol. My life's unmanageable. Like that was discovered at treatment. Like that's where I, I yeah. met that, but like to really like my, my like real, like spiritual experience was, uh, was in Portland like that. You know, that Portland's was, a beautiful place. I mean, they, what yeah. they do up there, that community of recovery is uh, uh, second to that. It's amazing. And I miss it. Uh, I, I miss it at times, you know, that was, um, I mean, it saved my life, right? Um, so I was in Portland for two years and, you know, I had like, like I'm now this free person, right? Like I've, I've like, I'm no longer like uh, slave to drugs and alcohol. Like I'm starting to like think about, uh, with a healthy mind too, I'm starting to think about with a healthy mind, like what could I do in my life? Like what, like what, what, what are the possibilities, right? Like yeah. this is such, you know what it's like, like it's yeah. cause you're, you're, you're so tunnel visioned when you're in active addiction, especially for, I mean, I got sober young. Yeah. But like the story really started at like 13 treatment at 16 and then treatment detox treatment, you know, in and out of, you know, 12 step yeah. um, meetings type fellowship things until 24 when I hit that rock bottom. Um, so anyway, I'm in, uh, I'm at my apartment in Portland and I get a knock on the door from the police. And like, this is actually probably the first time I've seen the police since I've been so yeah. right? like, it's like, <laughs> it still gives you that feeling yeah. in your belly, like, oh God. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And they're like, you know, they're like, you know, Portland police. So they're like, I Portland, Maine police. So like, they're like, you know, like, 
super nice, like not yeah. too much happening. Like everyone's pretty peaceful, you know? So I wasn't like, uh, like super worried or anything, but, um, I can't remember how they broke it. Cause it like took me a little bit of questioning to ask what happened, but at the end of it all, like found out my landlord killed himself, um, oh. due to this disease. Um, and, uh, he didn't do it there. He lived on the second floor. He went to a hotel room, like, like, like we would do, yeah. right? Like, yeah. like a good place, right? Like, you know, just some crack shack. Yeah. Yeah. Out. Crack shack in it. Exactly. Like, Sad. uh, I know it's horrible. Um, and, uh, his parents took the place over. He was probably in his fifties. And so his parents were a little bit older. I think they lived somewhere in North Shore, Mass and too tough to take care of the place. And so they were going to sell it because like property in Portland, Maine is just skyrocketing. And, and I was like, you know what? Like, I think I am going to go out to, I looked at three places. I looked at Boulder, Colorado. I looked at Salt Lake city, Utah, which is sort of random, but like, yeah. What's that? You big skier. No, but I was, I was running. Um, I was starting to feel good as like an athlete again, right? And yeah. and I was like, maybe I like take this somewhere, not with running. Like I ran D3, um, you know, and I was just kind of like a guy on the team um, at Southern Maine. Okay. Um, so, I, and like, yeah, cause like pro running is like me being a professional triathlete. And I think any professional triathlete will tell you this, like professional, triathlon which is like i mean it's a big deal it's hell yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a big deal but like professional running is like if you don't run under a 212 marathon like you're not a professional runner you're considered an amateur so you have it's, to be like pot pool i think you know i was gonna say to you since you didn't really know your dad maybe he was like a cheater or something because that explains your, your athletic ability because uh, like or a puber or like some yeah. kind of animal like you run think about that like yeah you have you're telling me like a professional runner has to have this and this and this like you're telling me numbers before you're like, yeah, you know, I ran 20 miles in like two and a half hours or two, whatever it was. And I'm like, holy shit. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'll tell you this. I'm never running into 12 marathon. I think my fastest time, uh, and I could probably do it on a faster course. My best time at, um, at Boston was a 242. And that was where? Uh, at Boston. Boston Marathon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You did it in two hours and 42 minutes at yeah. Boston Marathon? Yeah, I had a great, a great With the hills day. and everything, huh? Yeah, I had a good day. And that was when I was I'll be at the finish line. I'll hold like a water and I like, you know, it's yeah. like that Seinfeld episode. I'll hold a coffee, you'll splash it, bro. It's not yeah. water. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I think that's, that's insane. Yeah, it was a good day. And like I had been... Um, yeah, it was like really shocked everyone, like my coach and and uh, and it, you know what it was? It was the October one, you know, the year like oh yeah, yeah, October because yeah. of because of COVID the pandemic, the right? Yeah, and I had been in law school. Uh, I had just started law school, and um, and so I wasn't really even training. Like I, I <laughs> but I was coming off a ton of volume from the summer training for triathlon. So, well, that's what I heard about triathletes is. Because, you know, you hear people do the most marathon, these runners, and they come in and they, they eat all this the night before. They do this and they do that. And then the day after, they wrapped up in this blanket and they have to go to little medical tents. Yeah. And, but triathletes tend to, like, do it. Like, it's just part of the training. Like, yeah. where's the water? Where's the bike? Like, this is it. Yeah, yeah. It's a, diff it's a different breed. Um, so we're talking about training for the marathon and the triathlon, excuse me. And how you do marathons and, like, you do that and you have your time. And 
you talk about it nonchalantly because, frankly, it's part of the triathlon. I mean, triathlons just seem insane to me. I think I don't even know how you get sick enough mentally that you try something like that. I think to myself, that's a real concern right there. But if you're insane enough to do it and you find a way to do it, the one thing I know is I get interviewed for what I do for my primary profession, helping people to retire. And often other advisors pay me to coach them as to how can they build their business, how can they do this. And the two things I tell them, I can't necessarily give you, I can't make you genuinely care about somebody because I genuinely love my clients. The second thing is I can't give you that it factor. I know there's something in my industry, there's something inside of me that separates me from other people. Yeah, It's that it, that the grit, the tenacity, the love, the passion all roll into one thing where I just, I will do okay. I will do well at this. I will succeed. And it's not about dollars and cents because if it is, you, you know, told somebody the other day, I got an offer two years ago for my business or four years ago, whatever it was, outrageous offer. And I said, I'm not selling my clients like cattle. These are my people. Like there's something about it. It's who we are. And I believe that it's who you are, obviously the triathlete. And you know, you're, you're so young, your books get so much, so many more chapters to go. It's really exciting. It's exciting watching being a part of it, to be honest. What do you think because it's the same thing to help you get sober. And I think getting sober allows us to believe that, hey, I can do anything. That's why yeah. people say, oh, you were in this business before. Yeah, but I wasn't near this level because I didn't know I could be. I had such a limited mindset. What do you think was the biggest, okay, when was the decision to get sober? Like, when did you decide like this is gonna be it for me? Yeah, so I think uh, that that's a great, and like that interlude into it. So uh, we were talking before, like I did this shit before. I got so. Yeah, that's insane. I, I know. It's it makes more sense insane. to me. Yeah. If I was high, I'd probably be more likely to try a triathlon than a sober and be like, no way. Yeah, and I think like I did uh, Ironman in Maryland in 2014, and I probably missed like 75% of the training blocks. And really? I, you that's were, when you I was did like an a cocaine Iron, junkie. You did an Ironman while you used it? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, and I was like like a cocaine oh. junkie too. Like, I was like. Freaking, that makes sense. I mean, if you're going to go that fast yeah, and that far, you had to be yeah, on a coke like, too. Yeah, for like heart stuff, like definitely not healthy right um, how's your heart everything now I mean you go to a lot of doctors uh, well it's interesting with like the whole Lyme thing um, like I was on an EKG um, the EKG looked clean which is good um, but like I think that uh, some of what I was feeling was uh, was like in the chest area that prompted me to go to the ER um, oh wow yeah, so, but it, it's all cleared out now, which is good. And I'm like doing the treatment for Lyme or whatever the hell it actually is. Um, that's what it popped hot for. But um, anyhow, um, so I was doing that stuff before and I was doing, I was trying to do marathon then Ironman as like, a, a, like if I just do this, I won't drink and use. <laughs> Right? Yeah. I know. I've said many things like that. If I do this, if I do that, if I give yeah. myself this as a reward, it was, I won't. It was a dog. It was um, like at one point who I have today uh, still, uh, which is uh, like I love Royce. Um, I think you've met He's awesome. Dogs, right? He's yeah, awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, you have two dogs now, don't you? I have two. Yeah. I have a second. I have two bull mastiffs. I have Royce, who is 11 and a half, and, uh, and Ulysses, who's now three. He's huge. Ulysses yeah. is huge. Oh, I don't know. I know. Well, I do say I saw him when he was a puppy, but. Yeah, dude, he's like 170 pounds. I what the hell? I didn't think he was going to get that big. Yeah. Yeah. They he's, say he's they're the great, great family diet. dogs. Unbelievable. Unbelievable family dogs. Do you have like, to walk them a lot? Nope. 
Because I'm gonna, I have to get a new dog because I'm, I'm losing the dog in the breakup. Oh no! Because yeah. you were just gotten that. I think yeah, they were the, really connecting. The little French bulldog. Yeah, you mean? yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I was, um, I had gone the Rottweiler and I had to put him down because he's biting people. <laughs> and uh, so then I got French bulldog from family. Now I have to get a different dog. I always looked at the Mastiffs, but they look so big. Like so, which one? Dude. Um. So I've always lived in small apartments. Um. Uh. And I've had uh, I've had a bull Mastiff at least one for. 11 and a half years. So much. when you take them out to go bathrooms, do you walk them or you just take them out? Uh, so I'm fortunate now where I live, like I have a fenced in yard so I can kind of just let them out. And Royce is like, he's his legs are smoked at 11 and a half years old. So like he doesn't do much at all. He doesn't, in his mind, he wants to do more, but like we can't even walk him that much. He's going to kind of like, you know, walk yeah. around as, as much as he desires and then come back in. Um, Ulysses, we need to definitely like do more with, and that's why he's 170 pounds. Um, okay. But like, yeah, it's, it's so I I would walk Royce when he was healthy, and um, so that's the thing. I don't have a lot of time to walk my dog. I got like a little. Do- yard. I do. That's yeah. all you need. Really? That's all you need. Yeah, I mean, to, you, like I like I said, I've lived in you know like not small apartments, but apartments since I've been sober, and and uh, everyone's like, oh, huge dog. You must have after they they have a huge yard and a huge house, like. You know, and some people see me walk. I've been asked if I was, it was just hilarious if I was like a wag walking my two dogs. I'm like, no, they're mine. You know, <laughs> Somebody like, like 20 do, I bucks to that? Work do I look that <laughs> destitute? Do I look that shitty? Um, but, uh, it's awesome. Yeah, so I would definitely recommend them. They're awesome. They're so mellow. They're so loving, so affectionate. And, and they are, they're awesome family dogs. My dogs don't bark at anything. Like, I don't know if that's like their thing because they're just, they're so like, they know their Well, they size. feed off you, too. Yeah, yeah, that's obviously a huge thing. Um, but, yeah, they big do- They know they're powerful. They don't really have to, but not yeah. really. I just don't want a dog there for more. My buddy has a husky. He's going to walk him a couple miles a uh, day. Yeah, I couldn't do that right now. I mean, I, I, I could, but then I would have to give up my training and stuff yeah. like and that's like that's kind of what it what it went into the decision for a bull mastiff when i was getting one when i was like oh if i just have a dog because i grew up with dogs i love uh love animals but like love dogs and uh i love my dogs and um uh but i was like i need a dog that's low maintenance and that's that's what i got and that's what i have but like if i had like an australian shepherd like i would be you know having to take the dog on my runs and like sometimes like i'm not like i said like as a i'm like a back of the pack pro triathlete like yeah. i still have to work an actual job yeah, you know yeah, what i mean yeah. so it's like sometimes my training set schedules are just right off the the, the cuff you know and like That's i have crazy. to get out when i can get out and i wouldn't want to have to like get out and then get the dog out and you know and well, it's just not fair to well. them either right? yeah. so um but anyway we were talking about Maryland. Um, so and doing a triathlon high. Drunk yeah, yeah. Whatever. I mean, I was sober. I think I got no, my shit yeah. together like the week before or two weeks before, yeah. which is still insane for me to like talk about. I mean, I was probably in some phase of acute, post-acute withdrawal. Wow. You know? Um, but, uh, dude, I, like the sport, as you know, with this disease, like it did not keep me sober. Like Nothing these will things keep me sober. did not keep me sober. Isn't that weird? I always thought, like, having this, having that, if I had, you know, a relationship, you know, whatever it is, people think kids, whatever those things are, 
it has to be, you know, I know people say, well, it's not a choice. It is a choice. I have to have 51% of you has to want to be sober versus 49 wants to use. Yeah. As long as the skill's slightly in favor of sober. Because there are some days I love being sober. I have a good life. I'm dropping around. I'm looking at the blue skies. I'm listening to some music. These other days, I'm just like, not. I'm just not using yeah. There's, there's days where I'm just barely sober, but I'm sober. And there's days where I'm rocking and rolling. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just the way it goes. And that's why, like, you know, the, uh, uh, the, like, the means of recovery that I've found, like, as, you know, slogans of, like, it's just one day. It really right? is. Because, you know, and, and that's the good thing and the bad thing. Like, sometimes you have a great day and it's like, that could change tomorrow. Yeah. And other days you have a bad day and you're like, you know what, tomorrow's another crack at it. Yeah. You, and the one thing I look at with life, or I've learned you, I look at life like a boxing match. If you're having a bad round, if you hang in there, you don't pick up, you don't commit suicide, you just hang in there. Yeah. The next round, you have a chance to knock it out. You yeah. have a good chance that the next round, you're going to do what you got to do. So, all right, let's, we, you can then come up here. You move up here from Arizona, okay? So, I moved back here from Arizona after I'd been sober. You were sober. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was sober for a while because I went from Portland, Maine to Arizona, then back here. But okay. what got me to go to detox, I think we were talking about like the bottom, right? Like, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. So, I had. Uh, I had put like 90 days of abstinence together and I was going to um, like 12 step meetings and well, I I wouldn't even call call it that. I was going to recovery meetings, I guess. And, um, and I was just going, I was just taking up a chair. I wasn't doing anything to like, I wasn't doing anything to change the person on the inside. Because as you know, um, at a lot, like, in like a program of recovery there's like there's the fellowship aspect and the people and then there's like the work and i was still not like down to do the work on myself so yeah until the pain's there yeah so and that's what happened so i i um i got my stuff like i had had a i actually i i had decided that i was going to try and qualify for the boston marathon i think whatever 23 years old for the first time and like um, and, uh, and, and I went to that race, I did it and I had been like 90 days, as I said, basically abstinent, you yeah. know, I was still a really, really hurting individual. And, um, and after that race, I, I was like, I'm going to have a drink. And that was uh, like early November, like November 2nd, I want to say it was. And then by my sobriety date is November 24th, 2015. So that same year, I got so bad. Yeah, that in quick. Three huh? weeks. Yeah, so bad in three weeks. And like, I, the, the rock bottom for me was on the inside. Like, I had thought I had done everything. Like, from 16 when I went to that first treatment center to, um, to, to that moment, like, I had been in and out of uh, self help programs, right? Yeah. And I had been in and out of like meetings. And, uh, and I thought I had given it a shot and I had had, you know, I had a conversation with my mom on the phone, like in my rock bottom moment, uh, when she was saying that like, we are like, she had like the total, like, um, like she had, uh, conquered the enabler, right? Like she was like, we are not going to watch you kill yourself. And we know that's so, like, I know I've been around, like, I know that that's, that's what's coming. And, uh, and your grandmother, who's the only person giving me a place to stay at the time isn't either. And, um, and I said to, I said, I remember saying it and I think crying probably, but like, I just, I, I think I might just not be one of the people that gets this thing as in like gets sober. And, uh, and we know that, right? No, I remember, we, you know, when you just said that, like brought to you I, I remember thinking like, maybe I'm that guy that can't get it. Yeah. And so many of I'm, us. I'm don't. glad to hear you say that because I, I, 
I thought I was one of the few people who felt that way. And I always thought in the back of my mind, like, maybe I'm just not destined for this. Yeah. And uh, it's crazy to hear that you went through that too. Yeah. Yeah, it was. And I mean, I was through the whole like throws of it, like, you know, as I, you know, have been like told about my symptoms and, and it works for me is that like, once I started, I couldn't stop. Um, and like once I've been stopped, which is always like EMTs, police, yeah. I never stopped on my own devices, yeah. right? Like it was always something else that stopped me. Um, I couldn't stay stopped. And, and, you know, I would find out when I was at treatment that like that is textbook or big book alcoholism. Yeah. I didn't know that. Like I thought I just went to these like self-help meetings and like, you know, made coffee or like you know, talk to someone after and, 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 and that was going to be it. And that was going to be my life. And like, that wasn't going to be sufficient to keep me sober. Like I had to do more and like, so definitely like doing like, you know, whatever type of thing you want to throw at me, it could be like going to get like a PhD. It could be going to, you know, it could be doing these like 140 mile triathlons. Like it was never going to work. It was never going to be enough. It's not going to fix you. So I remember I got the ultimatum. Um, They were like, so we're cutting ties. Her and my grandmother were we're cutting ties and we'll either help you get into treatment or, um, or, you know, you're going to be like homeless. Like we're going to, like you're going to have nowhere to go. And, uh, and I don't know, like, I guess that was like this like divine providence in my story was that I I decided to give it one last shot. And it helped to find out in this one last shot, like I went to a great place. I went to a place that was perfect for me. It was like, no, like, I remember where I went to treatment. uh, Like I was like, it's like, there was like some adventure component to it. Like, or at least as advertised that they're doing rock climbing and blah, 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 (laughs) and all this. And I got there and it was just me and 12 other dudes doing like, like, you know, 12 step work, eight hours a day. And I was really? like, yeah, which is exactly what I needed. I know. So there's no, no rock climbing? No, no rock climbing. I didn't care about rock climbing anyway. Yeah, I but just I just wanted think to it's funny that they Yeah. So I remember, yeah, I just wanted to be able to run because I knew that running and like this is how sick I am. Like I knew that like the closest thing I could get without drugs and alcohol was probably running. Really? That, that so you do get that run as high. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. And it, and it like it's yeah and it, it's more of an obsession like i'm fulfilling that obsession that yeah. i need right and that's yeah. why the sport for me can be healthy if i'm not dialed into recovery they need to be two completely different things yeah. um and uh yeah i remember oh my god so they did say i could run they let me run and i remember running around the grounds at one, one time it was like three hours such a psychopath like, yeah you go three, for a run yeah, three yeah, hours yeah, yeah yeah three hours just around this like it was like smaller oh. than the loop of a track and oh. it was like on like behind the buildings and stuff like that and anyway um so i got i get i go to this place they recommend sober living in, in uh in portland maine uh next to continue like my work like my 12-step recovery um and like that's like the second part, like part of like, you know, divine. I was so scared, dude. Like Why? I was so scared, cause like I I was so scared of like what, of the unknown, right? Yeah, like I, I get was, that. I was young. Like yeah. all I knew was my little bubble. Like which my yeah. little bubble is where I used and drank and like yeah. was able to isolate. And but it was so comfortable. I always say my life might have been shit, but it was comfortable. Yeah, yeah, totally, and. um so, uh, 
so I, yeah, I went, sorry, a little mind fart there. Um, so I went to this place and I, I continued, you know, I went to sober living and I, I, uh, continued the, like the recovery, like the work, the real work. And I had this like, like spiritual experience or, uh, you know, psychic change. And, and it was real, like for the first time in 24 years or whatever, 13, when I started to 24, um, I, I wasn't thinking like obsessing about drugs and alcohol. That's so cool. Yeah. And people don't so, understand that for people are like, you know, it's like somebody who, who needs like to eat drink water every day. And then suddenly you totally can't drink water anymore. And you keep thinking of water because you need water and they just that's how it was. It was just a part of life that was taken away from us. Yeah. And it, it was so natural to have. And to have that taken away. I, I, I did nothing but think about it. And then I remember when it was finally like, whew, you know what? I'm not thinking about getting high. I'm not thinking about not getting high. I'm just not thinking about drugs. Yeah. That was a gift. Yeah, dude, that, I love how you just put that. Cause like I, and in before 13, when I, cause I, that first time I drank and it was so against my own will, like I didn't want to, like my mother had like a pretty gnarly relapse that I was witness to at 12 years old. And I said, I'm never, I'm never doing it. And my grandmother and even my mom gave me the warnings, like, you know, not to say that, like, it's definitely going to happen to you, but, like, your mom and your dad both have issues with drugs and alcohol. Yes. And, and I, yeah, and I believed him at 12. I was like, yeah, I, I believe that. But, like, I don't know what did it at 13. And I was just like, I'm, fi I'm finally going to give this a shot. Um, <clears throat> I certainly wasn't, like, peer pressured into it. Um, and I felt that finally, because, like, like you said, like I'm obsessing for water or I'm obsessing for that thing. relief before. Uh, yeah. And then finally I, I get to try it. I get to, I get the magic key. And Dude, when you first, I mean, think about the relief. I mean, for me, I tell people if anyone thinks drug was a problem for me, it was a solution. That's Drugs and alcohol were a solution because I had a lot going on inside of me and it wasn't until it stopped working or, you know, he talks about being a rapacious creditor, yeah. you know, drugs and alcohol would give me this. I'd be better at my job. I'd be better looking. I'd be better girls, faster cars, and then suddenly it just whoosh, took it all back, and then some. Yeah. And that's um that's the thing. And then when that relief doesn't work, I mean, I feel bad. Like I see guys sometimes go to meetings and stay they stay sober, and uh, maybe because they bought them wasn't as bad. They don't have to do the work. Whatever it is, teach your own. And I think they have no idea the gift I had. Like I would put the needle in my arm again if it made me do the work because the work is giving me a freedom of power. Yeah. That's what's happening to a power greater than ourselves. Junkies like me don't own companies like this. Junkies like me on dads to get up and take care of their yeah. daughter. Junkies, you know what I mean? This is a gift. Yeah. And it's from the work. And I mean, we keep saying the work, the, the program of, the program of recovery is very different than the fellowship. You're, you nailed it. Yeah. I love having every, 90% of the phones I, people I talk to are either clients or guys from the program. Yeah. But the work comes with my pen hits the paper and I share with another person. Yeah. You know, and, and I think you nailed it. I mean, it's just, so you do the work, you're, you moved down, you, you moved around a little, you get out to Arizona. Yeah. So I went to Arizona after my, uh, I realized I was this free person now. And Isn't like, I had to find either a new place in Portland or, <coughs> and I was, I, so I had this like experience with triathlon, right? Like I had done two Ironman races, uh, before getting sober and I realized that like, I was also getting broken kind of a little bit like college running. Like it was just a lot of like, you, we had talked about it off, like running can really beat you up. Oh God, yeah. And like, I mean, I was like eight months sober. Like I remember I went into horrible, uh, like anemia just from like having like just not healthy blood. 
and then going to try and run, you know, at the college level. And um, I was riding my bike in the off season and like, uh, I was like racing bikes with, I was like kind of doing all three sports like on their own <laughs> in the off yeah. season. Yeah. And um, I remembered how, you know, I was like, you know, maybe I'll go somewhere where triathlon and endurance sports is like, is like, uh, like Turkey is to Thanksgiving. And those are those places like Boulder, um, Utah, and, uh, and, and Tucson, Arizona. And then I was on Craigslist and looking at apartments. Like I made the decision, I'm going somewhere. I'm taking Royce with me. Um, I could take this free sober person with me anywhere in the world and be okay. Right. That's pretty cool. And, uh, and, and I was looking at apartments on Craigslist and like, it was significantly cheaper in Tucson, Arizona than it was Boulder. Well, yeah, Boulder is supposed to be, even I've heard of Boulder. It's yeah. supposed to be a big buddy place. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I went to Tucson. Uh, I had an amazing experience in Tucson. Um, I went to the university of Arizona for a year, uh, raced with, um, uh, like, you know, a super competitive program. Um, and I trained with guys. It was actually interesting. Like I, uh, I, I had been, uh, in a couple training sessions with Ben Hoffman, who he came in second at Lake Placid the other day. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. He was second, uh, second place, uh, wow. at Kona overall, like some years back. Like, yeah, he's a savage, uh, unbelievable athlete. What a beast. Yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable athlete. And, um, and, uh, so I, you know, and I, and I really like, I mean, it was like that Mecca that I saw. Like it was so like, was that cool? yeah, it was so cool. There's a huge mountain right there that everyone goes and trains on. There were group rides on the bike that were like always like super competitive. Um, it was like, that was it. And, um, and I, I came back after like the, uh, like when it was starting to be summer, I came back to visit family cause I'd been gone for a year. I wanted to see my mom. Uh, and I was also qualified and registered for the Boston Marathon. So I actually like finished up my studies early and got out there early, like so I could run in April and stayed out there, worked out, uh, worked, stayed out there, stayed here, worked here, uh, raced here. Cause like, like also like there's not much racing in Tucson in the summer, if, if oh, yeah. any, cause it's like, I mean, they probably can't even get the insurance to like hold a race. Cause it's so hot. Yeah. 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 Um, and I was getting ready, all packed up, registered for courses of what would have been my third year of college at Arizona. Uh, I was driving back out with Royce. Car was literally packed up. And um, and uh, I went out for just this, like, 90-minute easy ride. Uh, and I got hit by a car. That's where the car Yeah, is yeah. Okay. So I'm here because that lady hit me. With kind car. of crazy. Yeah, yeah. I'm Everything happens the way it's supposed to. Everything see? happens the way it's supposed to. Exactly. Um, hey, don't get me wrong. I do miss Tucson. I keep in touch with friends there, whether it's recovery friends or athlete, you know, athletes. Um, I, I, you know, um, I, I'd like to get out, out there someday, probably wintertime here. Yeah, you know, absolutely. That's, that's a good time to go. Um, and, uh, and I was like, that was a tough moment. I thought my career was over because, like, it was, like, it was a pretty gnarly accident. Like, luckily I didn't hit my head, but, like, you know. Yeah, but blew up your knee. Yeah, yeah, Severed quad tendons, shattered patella. Um, I remember, like, flipping over the car, like, being in midair. It's so weird how, how you can, like, vividly remember that stuff that happened so quick. And, um, and laying on the pavement, and I got up, 
and I went to go check my bike. Like that's the thing cyclists do. Like you could literally like like I could have got my legs cut off and I'll like, find a way to like go check my bike. And uh and and this lady who the I I'm it was a pedestrian that saw it happen and a, and a lady, uh, the lady who hit me got out of the car. They're like, oh my God, are you okay? Are you okay? And the woman who hit me was like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I'm like, yeah, I'm okay. And I looked down at my knee and it was just the grossest thing I've ever seen, at least on myself. Um, it was like fully exposed. Um, oh. And I sat back down and I was like, okay, I'm fucked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> this is good. Uh, and so the ambulance came and, uh, and, uh, yeah, I, I mean, there's a, a bunch of different stories that come from this, right? Like, so, um, that's like kind of where I, like I knew I wanted, or at least I thought I wanted to, like, if I knew I wanted to be a lawyer, I would still be in law school today and I'd be a lawyer or I, I'd be a lawyer next year, technically. Um, but like, that was the thing. And I talked to a friend of, you know, Frank, Frank, uh, uh Frank P. Maybe, maybe What's not. What's he do? Uh, he's a lawyer. He's okay. like my age. We went to high school together. We okay, used together. Yeah, yeah. Blake, yeah. So um, he's a big time attorney and like he was kind of like a mentor for me. And I also had like mentors in Portland. Like my sponsor was a lawyer. And um, anyway, I, I was advised. I was asked this question. Where do I want to have my career? Do I want to have it in Arizona or do I want to have it in New England? And I said, in my career, meaning like a legal career. And I said, okay, I, like I want to have it here. And like Arizona was still kind of this fun thing. And he's like, well, I suggest that you finish your undergrad at in in Boston, and then go to law school in Boston, so you can intern in Boston. Yes, yeah, so you, you yeah, yeah. 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 And I've just been here ever since. And uh, I'm, <laughs> I am uh, definitely more professional uh, in uh, triathlon than I. Am as uh, an attorney, which I uh, I well, dropped out of law school. Well, you, last year. you know, you decided to get a break for it and possibly never go back. And you know, yeah, the best decisions you make are the ones you don't make. You know, yeah. so many people think that because they committed to this, they have to do this. Yeah, um, I always thought because my financial business was going well and I'm doing good, and I, this is going to be my career. And then when I learned about coaching and speaking and helping people like that are in the sales industries or in the financial industries grow their business. And then I said, deal with some guys that go through midlife crisis. I was like, oh my God, I want to do that. And I found a way to do both. You'll find exactly where you want to be. That's the craziest thing. And in the meantime, just enjoy being a pro athlete because that's pretty badass, dude. Yeah, I'm definitely going to ride this ride this wave, dude. You're young. How old are you, 32? 32, yeah. Jesus, man, 32. I was... Thank you. I was, I was sober, but I wasn't, uh, I was still struggling yeah, big yeah, time with yeah. life. Yeah. Um, that's crazy. 32 of you where you're at. That's awesome. You know what? It's crazy. Like 32, like I don't feel old. Don't get me wrong. I don't you feel know, old. Yeah, I, hope not. Uh, I wouldn't say I feel young, but like that journey from 24 to 32, it's just flown by. Yeah, it so, does fly. Yeah. I will say this. Um, and as you get older, people used to say this. So being a numbers guy, look at it this way. If you're 10 years old, a year seems long because it's one-tenth of your life. Yeah. I'm 43, so a year is one-forty-third of my life, so it goes by quicker. Yeah. And that's what happens as you get older. And uh, But also, think about how, how much life, you know, I was thinking that one day how old I felt. And then I look back over the last 10 years, how much life I've lived. 
I built the business. I mean, I built the side business doing this. I have a daughter. I got married. You know, big struggle. Like, so much life is coming on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and sometimes you don't notice it until you like just now. You sit down, and you you talk about it, and you think about it, and yeah. and and like talking about law school again. Like that feels like it was so long ago, and like now, I mean, yeah, I could go back. Um, but like now I coach, uh, now I coach triathletes, right? And, oh, do and you I, really? I, I know that. I, oh yeah. So I coach at Bentley. I'm the, the coach at Bentley University. Holy crap. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're so casual about it. Yeah. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. They, uh, they, uh, were foolish enough to hire me. That's um, pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I always say that. I'm like, yeah, I'm like a kid. Like people hire me. I'm like, I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't feel like an adult most days. It's, um. I know, right? Like, and and in some some days I'm just so totally not an adult, right? Very few. Um, so yeah, I coach, so I'm like really involved in the sport, like all the time. Um, I had no athlete idea you coached it. Yeah, I didn't even know colleges had triathletes. So they do. Like when I was at Arizona, it was it was club, um, yeah. and it, and it's it's like ninety percent club still. So yeah. they just added it um, to N- for NCAA. They just made it um, a varsity sport for women, okay. just Title Nine and stuff. They had to like balance that. Can out, I right? sign up as a woman? <laughs> you can do anything now. Man. Do anything Sadly enough, I still get my ass kicked. So yeah. I'm not <laughs> um, no, there's some great. So like I. Uh, like I was, um, I don't know if we'll talk about this most recent race, but um, the woman who won it is from Boston, who won Ironman really? Classic. Yeah, she's a second year pro, um, and uh, like actually the last two years when I was amateur, she was pro. I would, I, I would, I would catch her somewhere, and then I would just never see her again. Usually on the run, um, and dude, she was like. Like I, I, her swim, uh, she's a good swimmer. Um, so I, I caught her on the bike and then, wow, my transition was so bad from bike to run at Placid. Um, at both transitions were horrible. Um, but I, we ended up, even though I was ahead of her on the bike by like, I don't know, however many minutes, um, we like kind of came out of T2 together and I was like, great. Like Alice is like, you know, I'll be able to at least kind of like chase her around a little bit. And then uh, when I feel good, I'll go. And, and Al- Alice ran like a 306 marathon at, uh, off the bike. And, and she just, she just crushed it. And, What's uh, a 306 marathon off the bike? That's, what I mean. that's like a little over seven minute pace. So she gets off the bike. Yeah. She, that's that what he's saying. So she comes off the bike ride and then jumps into the run. Yeah. Okay. Right into the run. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You do a little switch of the shoes and. You know, uh, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. So you Probably not running bike bit. shoes. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, but yeah, exactly. Like a Clyde Steel. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, uh, yeah, man, like, it's uh, like the women in the sport are killing it. So let me ask a question. So you, when did you get your pro card? Uh, I got my pro card right around Christmas time. Is when Was that before? That was after Kona. That was after Kona. I hadn't talked to you in ages. I heard you running Kona, and I was all excited for you. Remember, I sent you a text. I'm like, this is great. You know? Yeah, yeah, Jadal. It was such that, a nice message that, to hear that. That's so me. cool that, um, like, I was just blown away, you know, because I'd heard of it. And I don't know anything about triathletes and yeah. triathlons. But for me to hear about it, it's kind of a big deal. Because if you're not in that world and you hear about it, it's kind of like, well, it must be that important that a, you know, a straight yeah. cat heard about it. Yeah. Um, 
so you grin that and then did you how did you get the program do you qualify is it something you do or yeah so uh usa triathlon has like a uh there's like six pillars of ways you could qualify it okay. and some of them like i have would have no or at least i i wouldn't have like made it um, the one that I did, I can't even remember the criteria, but I had done it two years in a row because I was, I was thinking about this last year, okay. like a year ago. And I was like, oh, like actually, well, Kona was part of it too. They, my coach at the time was like, if you get your pro card now, you're not going to be able to race Kona because Kona Why? was also held off um, because I qualifying for Kona as a professional is a different standard. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So, so it's okay. a different standard. And like, A, I didn't race pro, so I couldn't have met that standard. And B, like, um, like yeah, like I was only allowed to be there as an amateur. Okay, um, that's which is cool. I mean, yeah. you should even say you did it for the purpose of saying you did it. I had fun. to go, yeah. I emotional, wanted, like. Yeah, I wanted to go. And it was like the, the most amazing experience. Like, I'm hoping to go back this year, like I do a little uh, sponsor drop here. So my uh, bike sponsor is Eight Squared Bikes out of Oregon. And... Um, and uh, I think like any uh, at Kona, all the major brands are there. Like they're like all the big bike companies are there, and and so I'm I'm hoping to go back with them just to like kind of help promote and 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 uh, no, and will help you will you race again? Will you just uh, not at Kona? No, so yeah, you just hang out. Yeah, yeah, just, just hang out. Yeah, that's oh, pretty man, cool. It was so awesome out there. Yeah, I loved it. And I had never been like a, like drug addict alcoholic like me like i didn't like leave that little bubble i talked about oh. so like hawaii was like the most insane place i had ever to go to hawaii i went trips to hawaii for work twice i went trips to the five four seasons out there and i didn't go on either um because just it, i get out of my bubble this year another award ceremony last year was island next year is the first one i'm going to go to um we're finishing another strong year and i'm like you know what i sit out every one of these things before because i was Years ago, I had drug problems. I wasn't winning awards, so it didn't matter. Then after that, um, I just felt less than. And then my relationship, I had some stuff going on at home, so I did feel like we would go to, out there. And then um, now I'm going out there. Next year is in Paris, and I'm going. Oh, good. Uh, people Excellent. are like, well, what are you going to do about dating? I go, maybe I'll bring one of my daughters, you know? It, it, yeah. It's, it's Paris. Like, uh -huh. it's... It's so crazy the stuff we can do. Hawaii, though, I never would go. I just thought the flight, the this and that. Next time I invite his wife, some work thing that's paid for, I'm going. I mean, oh, I don't know why I, I passed go. it out. Uh, it's such a beautiful place. And like, Is the flight that long? Uh, the two flights are long, yeah, from Boston because then you get a layover. And I LA think some people different. maybe, yeah, I did L.A. I think uh, some people maybe it's like uh, Phoenix. Okay. Sometimes yeah, exactly. I, I don't know. I took the LA flight. It was a long day of travel, no doubt. Really? Um, yeah. Yeah. Because you get out there. How long were you out there for? Um, close to two weeks. I was gonna say because when you get out there, you obviously can't race the next day. You'd be luggage. You'd be oh, yeah, like, trash. Yeah. So how long before you raced you get out there? Uh, I think I was there like a week before I raced. Okay. Which is good. I mean, yeah. you don't have to worry about like elevation change, which is good. But like at least like anything travel. Like so, I raced my first pro race this year was in uh, England. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, is this is a global thing. Oh yeah, oh yeah, okay. totally, totally. Okay. Um, but I didn't like. I wasn't like okay. Like this is like this is where I'm doing my first pro race is in England. Like we, me and my fiance had a. We, she's from Latvia, so we yes. went uh, to visit her family for like. Uh, like 11, 12 days or something like that. And then I raced at the end of it. 
which I, I learned a tough lesson. Like, like to <laughs> family not, vacation, the race. Ex- exactly. Yeah. And I was told by guys after, like, always like do the race, like, you know, on the beginning. Yeah. Cause then you can relax and eat what you want. Yeah. Cause my first pro race was a DNF. Who's that? Like I didn't finish. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, and, and it was, it was, it was tough. Like I, you know, especially someone that like struggles with like, you know, like less than self like self esteem, self worth. Yeah, exactly. Like I got like shot out the back of the swimming night. Like I showed up like the shell of an like a shell of an athlete. Like after all the travel and stuff, like I was just not yeah. well and and uh, and and so that was going to happen, and it did happen. And uh, I rode the bike. I did the bike course, but I didn't even like. I I knew I was so out of it that I just rode it just to ride it, and then I racked my bike at the at the run. I was like, I got nothing. And, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, it's a hard thing to do. And I think um, sometimes we don't, you know, I've done things for work, whether it's a presentation or anything, a big, like some big stuff that I get one shot at or one shot every six months. And if you're not prepared or if you you assume that you can kind of coast because you're, in, yeah. you know, overall, or, well, you just simply think you're prepared and you, your body doesn't, I mean, you're, you're always different. Your body has to agree. Yeah. And I mean, I'm sure so, so many factors can just shut you down. Yeah, yeah, they can. And I mean, obviously, the most recent one with uh, like Lake Placid, which went really well. And I'm finding out now how much more like getting some of this blood work back, like some inf- uh, inflammatory markers that came back, um, like how much better it probably could have. I'm just gonna say, you ran sick. You got Lyme disease and you did this. Yeah, yeah. I say ran, so, you did a whole race. Try on. I always say ran because it's the part I think of how much yeah, that was. Yeah. I would probably say it that way too. Like you know, ran the race. Yeah. But I mean, you know, but you did it while having Lyme disease. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I, I guess when you're a pro, it's you don't get it. you you really got to show up. I, I mean, I, you I, could I, bail, but you probably don't want to. Yeah. I was definitely nervous. I think showing up's everything, though, in life, yeah. right? Like, yeah, it is. It's a big part of it, anyways. Yeah, you got to show up. And uh, and uh, and me showing up that day, like, I didn't know because I was on doxycycline for, four, uh, like, 12 oh, days. I didn't even know. Your do... probably a mess. And yeah. Oh. I, I, so I couldn't tell what my feeling, like, quote, Lyme, because it, it might not be Lyme, just the way they test for it. Like, I, 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 I definitely have had Lyme. Yeah. Like the test said, I've had Lyme sometime in my life. But they wouldn't but, know what else could be but, going on. Yeah, there was like something with acute. It's all like the medical people are uh, definitely better versed in explaining it. But um, but like I, what I was feeling, Lyme or virus or whatever, was horrible. Like what I was feeling like that landed me in the emergency room and then like that I was treating with doxycycline um, was it was yeah it was it like was not fun to like go on runs and like you know all that stuff and uh and so people would ask me like in the lead up to the race and i just kind of did my thing like i did what i had lined up the two weeks before i did it to the best that i could i uh i had gotten a lot of guidance so um a friend of mine uh and i guess i call her a friend uh she's a pro triathlete uh angela nath um she's like very like like she's super open she got lyme and yeah. like she's like the go-to triathlete to talk about Lyme. Okay. Um, I'm better friends with her coach Tim Snow, um, who uh, I had definitely a more in-depth discussion with about it. And he was like, "Yeah, the doxycycline's going to make you feel like everything's going to feel harder. Um, do one thing: stay off the internet because this is two weeks before." Yes, yeah, so everything you look at the internet gets scared. Like yeah, exactly. Especially someone like me, I'll like yeah. freak myself out. Um, so. 
you know, in the lead up to the race, like, I don't know what I'm feeling, if it's doxycycline or if it's Lyme, and, but I just don't feel good. Either way, you're effed up. Yeah, yeah. And I had a plan to, like, just cut the doxycycline, uh, like, the afternoon, so it's twice a day, cause, cut it the afternoon before the race, so don't take that second dose, don't take it in the morning. Yeah. And people are asking, like, uh, like how, how, you, how you feel? Are you, are you feeling good? Are you feeling excited? And a lot of them knew that I had Lyme or I had gotten this whatever this test positive for Lyme and, and, uh, and like I, in my honest, my honest answer to them was like, I have no idea. Like I won't know until I'm out there. Like if I'm not feeling good, like if I feel those symptoms, I'm going to know immediately. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. You swim first, right? Yeah. Yeah. Swim first. I hate, you know what I don't like about swimming? One, I'm not a good swimmer. Like if you throw me in a pool, I can swim from one end to the other. I'm not going to sink, but, uh, I'm flopping around. I used to be a decent swimmer, but I felt fat, so I'm not quite the same swimmer. Uh, um, and secondly, I'm, I'm epically afraid of drowning. Okay. That's my biggest fear. Yeah. And I, so I always think, uh, I don't know, I want to get better at swimming because I, I'm starting to lose a little weight. I want to lean out a little and start swimming. Yeah, I'll help it's you a good excess. Happy yeah. to help you. Yeah, but you know, I'm not, I'm going to be the guy like doggy paddling. You're like, <laughs> yeah, I can teach you how to do that, uh, like the like freestyle and. And uh, the swim is like definitely my biggest. It's the best uh, exercise. It, it is. It is a great exercise. It's very low impact. It's. Uh, I mean, it's like legitimately zero impact. Um, uh, I hated it for a long. Did time. you realize you could relate? Oh, I hated it. So, like, to go back, like, to when I was hit by the car, um, the recovery was miraculous. Like, the, the doctor was like, "This is like, the like I, you know." the most insane recovery I've seen from something like this. Wow. I was back in the pool after two weeks of being hit by the car. I went like, That's I insane. had like 60 something stitches, I think. That's insane. Yeah. You're um, lucky to get infection, you know, with jumping in the pool water and all that. Yeah. So he said like, the, the sti- you have to wait for the stitches to come out right? Oh, okay, okay. and make sure it's closed up. And like, I couldn't do flip turns for like the first three weeks. Is that the end when you flip over yeah, and kick off? Yeah, you flip off? over and kick off. Yeah. Um, so I would just kind of go and like push the wall with my hands. That's what and go we back. do. That's what lay people do. We go and push it off and oh, we hold on for a few minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, but all I could do, like I think after eight weeks, which is still insane considering like if I remember how I looked on the pavement, all the blood and all that stuff. Um, eight weeks I was back to biking. No, eight weeks I was back to running and then nine weeks I was back to biking. Wow. Yeah. Jesus. But, you know what I want to ask you? Well, for, well it's on my mind. Lake Placid, right? Uh-huh. When you do the swimming pot, is it in an actual lake or you swim in a pool? Uh, oh, yeah. So all, well, I shouldn't say all triathlons, but like that's in, uh, it's actually in Mirror Lake, it, which is right next to that's lake, a real lake. lake Placid. You swim in a lake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh, it could be cold sometimes, huh? Well, it wasn't cold enough to wear a wetsuit. So it now it's, uh, the amateurs could wear wetsuits. The, uh, the pros could not. So our oh, cutoff man. is different. Yeah, so, but in the wetsuit helps a lot. Like, it makes oh, you really? more buoyant. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Like, I mean, I think if you put a wetsuit on right now, like, you couldn't drown if you tried. Like, they really helped you. Oh, really? Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're really helped. I saw a video the other day about a guy who was, uh, he was in swimming. I think it was the ocean, obviously. And uh, there was, uh, what are those things called? The, the circle things, um, the funnels, like a twenty. Oh, like yeah, a uh, whirlpool? Whirlpool kicks off. And he's swimming around doing a video of himself because he's got his wetsuit on. He's taking a video for YouTube. And so the jackass wants to go a little below the water and see what it's like. So he takes his wetsuit off and 
See you later. Yeah. That was it. That was the end of the video. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was a good video. It was kind of cool watching somebody like swim to their death, but um, it probably wasn't cool for him. Did he? Is oh, he, he was dead. He's gone. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, he's gone. No, it's over for him. <laughs> oh, my God. That's So cool. I guess the worst to do were because he was like, I'm going to take my worst to up, get a little closer and see, get a little under and see what it's like under the water with the video. It was cool watching it under the water. I mean, until he, you know. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the wetsuit definitely helps a lot. Didn't have one. Um, didn't get to use one. Um, but uh, the so the, and like still like the water is I, I imagine that a lot of the amateur triathletes, especially the faster swimmers, I would imagine that they were maybe a little toasty because the water was still like warm to race like like okay. amateur, not amateur. Like it, it was still like it, like the feeling of it was like. You know, it was it was warm. That's pretty cool. So yeah, if, I guess if you're in a wetsuit, it probably gets too warm. It yeah, it can. Like if I and, and I'm someone who can heat up pretty quickly. Like I uh, or like I am ha like if I'm the only guy not wearing a wetsuit. Like if like the whole the, the pro race started, and they were like, hey, everyone can wear wetsuits. Matt, you can't wear a wetsuit. Um, I would obviously be bummed out. Like, I'd be like, oh, yeah. man, like, because you lose such an advantage. From oh, the yeah, it's a real advantage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, like, I also would have felt too warm on that swim with the intensity that I was going. And, like, even, like, pools, like, you know, some of the pools I go to are just, like, too warm to work out to. Like, I mean, like, I'll still get the workout done, but, like, you know, like, if it's warm water, you're, yeah. like, it's, it's, it's just like running when it's hot out, you know? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, it makes sense. I hate cold water, so yeah. Yeah, I mean, like we were talking about North Shore water, like yeah. that. I mean, that's cold and not not fun. And so yeah, you are, yeah, you, yeah. So you even you understand that if yeah. you go to the Rockport, go to the water, it sucks. Yeah. So Matt, we were just talking about Lake Placid and you know being a pro athlete and where you were in life. I always say there's certain qualities that are you know in people that have success and I don't define success by material things. I did when I was younger. My idea of success is what I was driving or the girl that was on my arm. As I've gotten older, I've realized, boy, is that jaded, you know? I remember going to a 12-step meeting, getting out of a nice, nice car. A guy came up and said, oh my God, that car's gorgeous, blah, blah, blah. At that point, I was struggling, relapses, whatnot. I looked at him, I said, you know what? I'm a well-dressed trash can. And I yelled at him, and I was just, I was pissed off. I'm a well-dressed trash can. I'm thinking to myself, I can't stay sober for my life. This guy turned ghost white. He left. He never came back. That was his first meeting. That was his experience with recovery. It was me yelling in his face. I'm a wild-ass trash kid. <coughs> so you never know. You have to be. You have to be on your best behavior because you might be the only, you know, recovery book that somebody sees the that last day. Face. Yeah. yeah. And, and so, and I wasn't trying to bark at him. I wanted him to understand how unimportant that stuff was. To me, success is this: being able to be around the people I love, not have to worry about paying to do stuff with them. I'm not saying anything crazy thing, but being able to take them out to yeah. get an ice cream for the kids and stuff like that. Making sure I can provide for the ones I love. Make sure the thing I do to provide offers service uh, value to the public or whoever I'm meeting with. Excuse me. And not just that offers value, but connection. Like I want, I want to make sure that I go to work every day and have a purpose in people's lives, which gives me a purpose. I want to make sure I have a purpose in my children's lives, my community's lives. And all of that, that's success to me. Like right now, I have to say, and I don't mean this in an arrogant way, I'm not where I want to be, but I, I have to say, I feel like my life's pretty successful. I don't make the most money I've ever made, no, but I will do well enough. I run two businesses, both of which I love doing. Like my kids wake up, I like seeing them. My oldest one's kind of moody. My little one, she wakes up and my day lights up. 
this little girl said, tell me, I slept in my new bed. I slept in my new bed. And here's this little girl who has all the challenges in the world, autism, you name it. And she she has a good mood and disposition every day. And that's what I learned from. So for you, I mean, when I look at you, I'm like, this kid's successful. Why? Because you can be able to pick whatever career industry you want to go if you want to get into other industries. Right now, you're a college athlete. You coach call that college athletes at a high level. Like Bentley's a good school. You know, you're a your pro card is a triathlete. Any one of those things would be success. You have them all. You're engaged to a girl you respect and like, and you care about, and you love, and you. But like, I say like because it's easy to be in love with somebody, you care about them. It's also hard to talk about them like you like them with respect. Like you talked about your fiance, you talked about with respect. Like you valued her as a, as an individual, as a human being. You know, you get a, your mom must be proud as hell. You get a good mom and good relationship with her. You have all the, the all the stuff that comes to success. What do you think got you there? What do you think? If you had to say to somebody, now obviously not everybody watches. In fact, most of us will never do a triathlon or even even three run, three mile run, a three mile this. Three. But what would you say is the quality that you think maybe one quality God gave you, and one quality you cultivated? So I think that's a tough question. Um, I think that. Like, if I could bring it all back to recovery, like, I think that I was given this, like, I got, I hit this point of desperation, right? To, like, I guess to live just a little bit more than I wanted to die. And can I say something? Yeah. You, you said a little bit more. Is that funny? Yeah. That we still had that, even when we wanted to get so, we still had so much of us that didn't want to live. Yeah, I mean, in, in that conversation uh, that I had with my mom, like, I mean, like, I was, like, when I said, I don't think I'm going to be one of these people to get this, and I was ready to give up, I mean, I meant I was ready to, like, give up on, like, vitals, you know? Like, I was ready to, like, to, oh, to turn it in, you know? And uh, and I think that that kind of, like, I, I mean, you probably feel the same way. Like, I've, I've had two lives. Yeah, I've had two lives and like it's so hard for me to like when you ask a question like that it's so hard for me to think of like what qualities I had before I got sober to now and I think that like something I'm still finding those things out right like I'm like there had to be one quality you had back then that just got you through yeah I mean it's it's got to be like Maybe it's grit. You know? I, I guess grit. Yeah, I guess you know, and and uh, and I think that's you know it now. Like racing with you know whatever Lyme diagnosis and 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 you know coming back from like that that nasty crash or uh, injury. Um, I was thinking about it like the guys that I race against now, like that tip of the spear of the pro field is like so fast like i finished 90 by minutes behind the fastest pro i mean he had a well, phenomenal yeah, day they've but, probably been pro for a while too these guys yeah yeah they have been in like like i said like i'm i'm uh, i'm riding this wave um i think i'm gonna get much better racing professionally okay i think the, the sky's the limit but it's not even a question because you're still yeah. disciplined but what i know is that like at that swim start, if I'm like mentally good to go, like if I'm if I'm checked, like I'm good to go, like I'm definitely not someone that you want to duke it out with as far as suffering goes, right? Like I like like I like suffering is 
my happy place and I don't just mean physically like you know what it's like like we as like addicts like like we our natural reset is to be in the dark right like that's where we want to be we want to be in the hurt we want to like that's pain is comfort for me I always tell people the reason I have success at the level I do with this business is because I will outwork you. I will outlast you. I will take more pain. And then I'll come, keep coming back. And then when it hurts more, I'll go more and more and more. And I'll do that. And then I'll work out in the gym. And then I'll go back and work harder and harder and harder. And I will outlast you because I want it more. And you have to put on my cold, dead hands. Yeah. And clearly, you have that at, at a crazy degree because, again, doing a triathlon, this is, there's so many times in a triathlon. I know this guy, friends have done them, that you want to quit. Yeah, I want to go to Lake Placid. Yeah. Like, I, like, I, the beginning, like, middle yeah, yeah. of the end. You know what yeah. I mean? Think about yeah. that. There's something in it. And so I think, I mean, I use grit because when I'm looking at you and I, I know enough about your story over the years of coming across each other. And I just say grit because to come to overcome a child who is that sort of stuff around you, you got to have grit because there aren't a lot of people there getting through. A grandmother, and I got a grandfather who's the biggest thing in my life. But grandparents love you unconditionally, so there's not always enough push to, you know, there has to be something inside of you. And then to get to the stuff you're doing, and even like I remember when you were stopping law school, like to have this self-awareness to say, you know what, I might be doing this because it's a good job on paper, because there's money in it, but this isn't who I am. And to have this strength, you know, so... The grits, I think, certainly just not for fifty thousand dollars a year. Yeah, lawyers don't make the money people think. I, uh, you know, I have friends that are lawyers and they make okay money, but they're not. They're not killing it. Oh, and, and, I meant for uh, what I was paying no. for law school. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh, well that's yeah. So if yeah. you're not, but if you're not in love with it, you don't you don't kill it when you're doing it. You know that. Yeah. The reason you're a great college coach is simple. You love what you're doing. The yeah. reason I'm great at coaching business guys is simple. I love it. I fucking love seeing a guy come to me whose business did 200 grand last year, half of which were expenses. So he made maybe 90 to 100. And he says, listen, I get two kids, a wife. I need to, okay, let's get you to 400. I can't get to 400. Now, if you get to 200, I get you to 400. Now, if you can't get to six-figure income, then maybe you don't have the talent or whatever. But if you're bringing in 200,000 before expenses, you're making 100, I can get you to 400, maybe profit at 300. I know how to do that. I can scale it. And that's just, and I love that rush. I fucking love it. I love when they buy, like this guy who works for me, I can't wait till he buys a house for him and his mom. His, mom's, his mom was a housekeeper, she still is. And um, they were immigrants and I said, listen, the happiest day from here going forward for a long time will be the day you buy a house because for your mom, I don't need, I have a house. My mom's okay now, I've done okay. I love seeing that. So I know that there's some rush you get out of coaching these guys that dollars and cents don't matter. Yeah. Yeah, it, it definitely is. And it's like the full spectrum of the sport. Um, it's just like recovery, right? Like it's like you go through the process yourself and then you get to take other men through it That's and true. get to see that. And like, so I'm involved with myself as an athlete, uh, you know, others as a coach. And then even now, like starting to get involved with like, obviously like, you know, you, you get sponsored and, um, so who sponsors you with the bike again? Uh, so A squared okay. is the, it's, yeah, if you like went you to their website, it's like a2bikes.com. Because I know um, the bikes, I've had friends that do this just recreational. Now, I don't have any other friends yeah. that pro at it, but they all buy these bikes at like six, seven, ten grand. I'm like, Jesus, for a bike? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're expensive. Oh, I can tell you guys to Target and get you a bike for a buck eighty. You go, you're going to the wrong places. I'll get yeah. you a better deal. Yeah. <laughs> You'll be the last guy in the race. It'll be like, you remember the Goonies where the guy's wheels came off the side? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'll be you in the race. Yeah, literally. Yeah, <laughs> it could be me in the race if I don't have my 
gonna make sure I have all my uh, mechanic skills and home dinner. It'll be me on yeah. a ten thousand. It's crazy, bike. isn't it? Yeah, like with no wheels. So um, let me ask you one other question. Sure. What do you think is the thing you've cultivated the most? Like I tell people, the thing I cultivated the most that got me where I am today. One of the characteristics that I can work on myself that I didn't have nearly enough of is gratitude. For me, it was gratitude. Yeah. Um, because I, even now, I can oversee. I can overlook all the stuff I have. I have everything God. I ask God for. Sometimes he gives you that to laugh at you after, but I did. I got all the stuff I wanted. And now, now I have it in a different way. At first, I got all those things, and I, I remember pulling into my driveway, nice house, nice car, blah, 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 family inside. And being in the car in the driveway, and be like, this is it. Like, now what? Because this isn't working for me, God. Now, a couple of years later, I've got all the same outside stuff, but I have a different perspective. And I, and my outside stuff's getting a little shaky. There's certain things going on, changes at home. And, mm. But I have gratitude and I'm happy. You know? And I really am that. It's probably the happiest I've been since 2015. I say it lately all the time. I'm like, wow, I'm really happy. Um, what do you think is a characteristic you have that now that you use that maybe you didn't tap into before? I think humility. <clears throat> I think humility probably. I mean, gratitude's definitely one. Um, but I, like, had said, like the um, producer had asked me or had mentioned, he's like, wow, man, that's like amazing that you're able to do that. And like, it just seemed like a normal thing, like when I went through race week and everything and then raced and had the race that I had. And then I was sitting down with my mom the day after the race and I was like, holy shit, like I was doing these like jumped out, whatever, back in 2013, 2014. And here I am like racing with like the top in the world. And, um, and, and, uh, and yeah, and so like that, like I'll have those gratitude moments, but like I think humility is is the big one because uh, especially, uh, and it, it's it's tough too because like I have to be on social media now with like you know I'm like with my sponsors like you know that want me posting about you know which is great I love all my sponsors Blue Seventy Fuel for Fire, um, uh, Fast Splits Multi Sport. Um, who they're awesome. They're my bike shop. They don't care what I do. They even said like, don't even like give us a mention, but uh, yeah, but that's cool. Those are the ones. So when you mentioned humility, I like that because that's what I would think of. I, you know, I think of gratitude too. But when I think of you, um, when I got all excited about your, your racing, I'm like, Oh wow, you're, you're a pro, you're a pro guy. Like, yeah. 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 It was almost like you knew it was a big deal. Cause you know, inside how high you work for, you know, how rare that is. But you also knew that, like, you know what, like, I'm not, and, and you are that unique with that, but you're like, I'm not, kind of like, I'm not that unique. Yeah, I'm doing this pro, but somebody else does that pro. And you came into my office and you were so, so gracious. Wow, oh, what a nice office. We get so excited for each other. That's one yeah. of the best things about recovery is I get so excited. Oh, I went to Chris, my buddy Chris's house. We went for dinner last night. Went back to his house for a cigar. I walked into his house. I was blown away. It's a beautiful house. He has it decorated perfectly. It's just awesome. And I'm like, dude, this is great. And we get so excited for each other. And yeah. where else? Most places people get jealous. They'd be like, oh, this guy's a pro athlete. You know, maybe I could have done that if I did. No, I couldn't have done that. <laughs> like, there's not a shot in hell. At first, I'd sink in the water. Then I'd fall off the bike and cry. And then I just wouldn't even try to run. I'd be like, screw this. That's why they have, you know, the industrial revolution guys you missed out <laughs> but uh i'll tell you right now it's it's awesome i mean i'm so proud of you you know i've i've been a part of you like your meetings over the years we've gone to all the same meetings and to see a guy have the success you have and do what you're doing and man that's awesome it's dude, fucking great thank you so thank you so much for coming on brother yeah dude it's uh, a pleasure and it was so cool i love podcasts so uh, thank you bro